So we're talking about some learning challenges that mm-hmm. some kids are having in public school. And this conversation is focused on helping parents develop a framework for supporting their children mm-hmm. who are victims of this public school system. So here I go. Alright, so the point I was making was that you made an observation. You observed that your kids had some challenges about learning. And what you observed told you that you needed to support them in the area that they had a need, that you needed to be patient with them while they grow as learners. And you operated out of the belief that they could. And I think that what's very important about all of this is that you believe that they could when what they were showing could suggest that they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And that is it what... It was about my, my perception. Yep. How I and, chose to perceive it. Yep. And, but it's not, it's, it's your perception but it's also what you know mm-hmm. about teaching and learning. I didn't and perceive education. it as a deficit. I perceived right. it as an opportunity to help them, right. an area to help them grow. Right, right. And so what's happening in school is they're coming across teachers who see the same thing that you saw in your children and other children, mm-hmm. but their response is different. They operate out of the belief that maybe they can't. Because of the Come benchmark, mm-hmm, the uh, benchmark assessment, they they're they, using benchmarks. They're using this data mm-hmm. that they're getting, and they're basing their conclusions on data. Mm-hmm. And they're not tempering it with, they're not using the data to inform what they do. They're using the data to support either their preconceived notions about these children, or they're using the data to support what they believe these kids uh, need in response to their learning Mm -hmm. based on the strategies that public schools are using. Mm -hmm. Which is your child needs an IEP, which is your child needs to be put in special ed, which is your child has a learning disability, which, you know, all of that. They, they got these buckets 
because they learn this stuff in there, and that's what they learn mm-hmm. as educators. Well, remember the standards and, say a child should be able to the child should be learning, mm-hmm. and they should be able to do this um, across across subjects. Right. This is what they should be able to do. And if they cannot do this, then they have not met the standards to be able to move on to a particular grade. So this is what they use. So so teachers are not innovative. Yeah. Yeah. They they spend less time trying to understand. Mm -hmm. And they're quick to make a a, uh, prognosis. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so what I was going to say is that I think what's happening is these parents are struggling with whether or not they want to believe what they're hearing mm-hmm. about their children right. from these public school teachers and educators. Mm-hmm. They're conflicted. And they don't have something to help them temper this conflict. They don't have a deep knowledge about education. Mm -hmm. They don't have evidence to point to, to counter what they're hearing about their children. Because they haven't read They've only heard from European educators. Right. They've not heard from educators who actually have their children at heart mm-hmm. and who understand how they learn and who understand the educational process. Right. And because of that, They're losing the fight. They're now doubting their children just as much as the teachers and educators do in public schools. Some have already turned their children over. Because if if, 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 um, the standards say that your child should be able to read uh, sequence of this amount of you know this sequence of words or um, read at this frequency or um, you know whatever the performance assessments say that kids should be able to do by the third grade I knew I'd be at the same juncture and would have had to say you know what I'll teach him I would have had to say it anyway listen Marva Collins. That I was getting ready to go there. So I was going to say <laughs> what shaped my framework for how I approached the situation with the kids was Marva Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, was Dr. Asahilia. Asa mm-hmm. I was Amos Wilson. Amos Wilson. So mm-hmm. I already knew 
it was not optional for me to see it, see them any other way but mm-hmm. geniuses. I, mm-hmm. I, it wasn't optional. You know why? Because your belief about our children was not grounded in data. Right. Your belief about our children was grounded in yeah. your belief in what God said mm-hmm. about his creation. Mm-hmm. And he said everything he created is good. And if you want something to grow, mm-hmm. you got to till it. You got to nurture it. You got to take care of it. And you got to remove whatever threatens it. Mm-hmm. And in this case, these for these parents who got their kids in school, What's threatening their children right now? Just public school system. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they've got to come to the resolve yeah. that they got to get their, number one, they got to get their kids yeah. out of that system. Because mm-hmm. anything they try to do to try to help their children, they're going to be fighting the data is- a system that's mm-hmm. going to be constantly trying to tell them otherwise. The data? And constantly pre- pre- presenting them with data. And it's damaging because it puts pressure on the parents who then put pressure on their kids. Right. So it's now it's damaging to the child because So now you, let's yeah. talk about the effect you, let's, of the children. Yeah. About. Go ahead. It's her my first question is gonna be how much of this does your daughter know? Hmm. What is what awareness does she have of her current situation? Hmm. If she has been made aware that she is challenged with blending and segmentation. That is the problem. She'd already right internalized there. it. So every because she's so, going to believe whatever the educators listen, say this about is how her. the brain is wired. Every single time she says those words, what's happening is her brain is wired in such a way that it's making every attempt to get the word right. But then there's the trauma that she might get it wrong. Mm -hmm. So then she gets it wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's how the brain works. And and listen, children are supposed to trust their nurturers. They're supposed to trust their educators. (laughs) But they're trusting people who don't have them at heart. They're listening to people tell them with using data judging them at this moment about their ability and they're internalizing it how are they going to even overcome and grow when they now have to over, overcome the belief that they can't and they're hearing it from people that they trust mm-hmm. and who they believe should know what they're talking about mm-hmm. So if they say that is true, then it must be it true. It must be true. It must be true that I can't pronounce these words. Right. So now the 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 her what what is fact is that rather than just focusing on the experience of learning, mm-hmm. her daughter is going to be inundated with the with the, the memory of needing to get it right all the time. So she gonna have to <laughs> She's been miseducated. 
she's going to have to be decolonized. Mm-hmm. And if a, if, if a parent has a child in this situation, the parent is going to have to be decolonized mm-hmm. and re-educated. The parent is going to have to develop a framework to operate out of that's grounded in the belief that their children can. That's grounded in an understanding of how their children learn best. You know what? I just got a revelation as you were taught, as we've been talking. Public education has been using data wrong. Mm-hmm. Data should be used to inform how we teach, mm-hmm. not to inform what kids know and don't know. So in other words, when I look at the data, I'm looking to see. Don't tell your child they don't know something when they ain't finished learning yet. You just judge them at that moment. Because I do that now. I look at the data. I look at, you know, how well my students do Mm -hmm. and use that to inform whether or not I need to go back. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and reteach or have a conversation about something that perhaps they didn't understand. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be. Yeah, you put it on yourself, looking, not exactly. on Exactly. It shouldn't be me looking at it and saying, oh, I need to have a parent meeting. Mm-hmm. The question is, have, if, if, 50, if, if more than, uh, you know, if a large percentage of my students, and even if it's a small percentage, that means that I need to go back, even if it's just for that small percentage, to have a discussion about it because that's those students who are still are struggling can learn from the ones who have an understanding. We can have another conversation about it and perhaps the way the way the brain is wired, and this is what I learned in ECE, is that the the, the disadvantage is some kids have exposure to information from the intrauterine environment. So there are some parents who are reading um, stuff like these textbooks on the bookshelf when when the babies are in the womb. When the children are born, they're exposing them to information, even if, if it's just conversations around the house. Their brains are making connections very early on Whereas there are other kids who don't get that exposure. So sometimes it's just necessary for some kids to get it again. And you know what I wonder? When kids are raised in a home with high literacy. Mm-hmm. They do better. Listen, just no, no, hear my point. Hear my point. When they're raised in a home with high literacy. Mm-hmm. Their communication and understanding outpaces the structured learning Mm -hmm. that they're going to undergo. undergo. Mm -hmm. And there has to be time for the two to meet. Do you hear what I'm saying? They usually don't have a problem communicating because they were raised in a home with hot literacy. But 
their literacy is so advanced that there has to be time for the literacy to transition into educational tasks, to connect with the educational tasks. And that's not a problem. That's just a part of the learning process for them. And I'm telling you, I, I haven't seen an educational theory yet that or communicates that and understands that. Yeah. Yeah, what's happening you hear what is I'm saying? that they have to, um, they're not developed, they're not at a developmental stage where they can make sense of what they have previously been exposed to. So the information that they previously exposed to, they haven't had any context for it. So the thing is, is kids who have been exposed to it, when they hear it in the classroom, when they hear it taught, they get it. Yep. Yep. So it's quick. Not, yeah, they get it. They get it because they've already had exposure to mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the teacher says, well... But you didn't do this learning task the way I said you should do it. So we got a problem. The child said, but I understand. Hmm. Teacher said, but yeah, but I need you to show me that you can do it now, this way. And so there's conflict at this moment. And the child then becomes disengaged. Because the teacher is trying to suggest to the child that they got a learning problem. And the child like, no, I don't. I may not be able to do this thing right now, but that don't mean I don't understand. And the, and the teacher saying, no, if you can't do it, to me that means you don't understand it. And so here comes the great conflict in education that often leads children to become disengaged because there's an attack on their personhood and their identity yeah. by these teachers. So the thing is, is in, in in a lot of in, in many cases, I'll use myself as an example, in many cases um, no, I don't even want to say me. In some cases, um, in black homes, I'm just talking about black families for right now, kids don't often get exposure to high, um, to, to develop literacy. They don't get opportunities to develop literacy in a typical black home right for, so, main, yeah, for communication in mainstream society because they do have a literacy that may be in their family right that, that, that's, that's, I'm getting to that and that's the which is just as valuable it is valuable those are um, uh, that's cultural knowledge right. or cultural capital mm -hmm. um, that students bring into the classroom that's right. not acknowledged and valued and so they have developed a literacy and a language, a way of speaking, a manner of speaking. There are um, their social capital. 
um, skill sets that they develop in, in their home environment that is valuable, that they can actually bring to the classroom. But because learning is very structured and, and rigid, that kids need to learn these particular, you know, this particular and skill set. And it has, mm-hmm. exactly, it has nothing to do with the social and the cultural capital mm-hmm. that students bring into the classroom. Mm-hmm. So where certain students are advanced in those areas, they might not be advanced, um, you know, in areas that might be related to, um, you know, uh, literature that uh, or exposure to uh, written works. So then they come into the classroom they might not have had exposure to um, mathematic e- equations or, or scientific concepts or, you know, the typical things that kids have to learn in a classroom. So whereas maybe other kids who did have exposure to that, because maybe they're um, like one of my students said that the reason he got into the Oakland School of the Arts is because his father helped him with his audition. His father must be an artist. And so... He had prior exposure to preparing. He had exposure to art. He had exposure to, um, you know, that type of learning, and which is how he got in. Whereas my other student said she auditioned twice and didn't get in either time. She didn't have support. She didn't have the resources. And so, again, the way that traditional public education schooling is set up I think the onus is on the parent, and I've been saying this, you have to know what kind of learner your child is, and you're going to have to make a tough decision about whether traditional schooling is for them. Public education is what it is. It's designed for a particular purpose, and if that is not the kind of education you want your child to receive, then you got to homeschool them or you have to pay for them. It has to be some or some kind of intervention that makes up for the deficit they experience in public school system. For me, it was up or down. For me, it was alive and free, right? Mm -hmm. But it didn't change the fact that the public education we received was inferior. Right. But I'm telling you that being an upward bound was constantly countering what I heard in public school system. Mm-hmm. It was fighting it. <laughs> they were fighting it with them talks that we would have on Saturday mornings, listening from our counselors. They were they were countering as as what um uh, Dr. Jawanza Kajuku said they were countering the conspiracy <laughs> to destroy black boys, black girls. <laughs> and the way they were countering that conspiracy was through their programming. Yeah. So if you're going to have your child in some public school and you can't homeschool them, you better have an intervention to counter it. You better get ready to fight. My mom didn't homeschool me. But she was countering and fighting all that craziness that was going on in the public school system with the talks she had with me every night. 
with her level of support and then getting support from a supplemental education program to help her, help me. There is an extreme need for there to be, you know, there was some some credence to the Black Panthers having the community schools. Mm-hmm. Um, they were needed. Yep. Black children. They operated out of the same framework we're talking about. They read about the people, we, the names we mentioned. Mm-hmm. They developed a framework the belief that our children could learn. Mm -hmm. They knew that you needed to understand what their needs were. Mm -hmm. They knew that they needed to be protected from the use of data to destroy Mm -hmm. their sense of Mm self-motivation. And they knew that you needed to be patient. Yeah, data is... It has damaged our kids in so many ways. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the way that data is used mm-hmm. um, is has been has had damaging effects on our kids. I honestly believe that it's it's been rather than it being you know used, but it seems that it's been used. It's always been targeted at students versus you know um you know being targeted at how improving the quality of instruction and and leadership overall leadership in a school and i keep hearing these stories over and over of um parents that's why um she came to me in the first place about her daughter they wanted to hold her back and I just told her I wouldn't do it for, and then after that, she ended up pulling all of her kids out and deciding I'm just going to homeschool all of them. Well, take what Dr. Abdullah Shabazz did, similar to what you just explained with the math department at Clarkland University. Mm-hmm. He said, look, get rid of all these remedial classes, which at that point, the underlying belief was that they can, but we're not going to start them from a deficit. Right, which means that he said, "Let's throw out the data." He said, Let's, "We're not going to consider." And we're going to change. We're going to come up with a a system that works for supporting them. Right. And let them enroll in the courses they want. In other words, join them in believing that they can. Mm-hmm. And provide the scaffolds necessary exactly. for them. Give them the support they need. And that's to be what they successful. did. That's what they did. Right. They t- he turned that math department into a, a haven, a space where people, where the students would come and hang out and sitting on the floor, and snacking and solving problems in the hallway and the classroom. It it was just became a second home. a safe space for them to be. Then and then he the ones who, who grew became tutors. Mm-hmm. 
He took the knowledge he had, imparted it into the faculty, and they in turn imparted those that knowledge into the students, and the students internalize it, and then they start imparting, imparting it in each other. <laughs> well, you know, when we think about uh, just um, ancient civilizations and, and the way um, data was not used, um, when we look at just, you know, um, when I say ancient civilizations, I'm talking about um, learning the process just just the the um the process of learning during ancient civilizations it wasn't there was no data <laughs> that was used there was a system of learning and you learn a philosophy right there was a there was a philosophy and approach in a way right that um people learn there was no data used because the <laughs> understanding the the uh, there was an awareness that there was no deficit view there was an awareness that if you come to learn you will learn you will learn because if you have a desire if kids are showing up to if they're showing up to learn then that means that they have a desire Mm -hmm. to learn Mm -hmm. so when they show up then that means that's an indicator that they're ready and we have to make sure that whatever we do we do not put weights on them mm-hmm. that discourage them. That prohibits them from... Yeah, prohibit them from from uh, moving with the belief yeah. that they can. Well, yeah. So going back to the conversation about parents, there are some parents... trauma is stifling. Yeah, there are some parents who are thinking yeah. about homeschooling their kids and... Every, Different parents come from different vantage points. Some of them, they have questions about the mechanics of homeschooling. Okay? They already believe that they can. They just need to know them. They need tools. They need to know the way. Then there are some parents who don't have tools, who don't know the way, and who have internalized the belief about their child's learning that is propagated in public school systems. So they have to begin with a framework shift first before they can even begin to start talking about learning about tools and the way and the process. I think this has been a good conversation. You know, um, in the history of education of blacks mm-hmm. in the South, um, there's a, a discussion where um, the author is talking about how uh, right out of slavery, the first thing that the freed slaves did was created their own institutions for learning Mm -hmm. they did not ask for resources they did not ask for help what happened was the planters needed 
the they needed the um, what what do we call it today? They needed the labor. Mm-hmm. So they then disrupted. They came up with a way to disrupt, to frustrate, and dismantle their systems of education. Yeah. By then saying, "Well, we need to formalize this." Yep. And we need to convince you to believe that you are not a proper you educator. You need governance. You need governance. You need governance. And so it makes sense that a lot of black people can't even grasp the concept of homeschooling when the first formalized education that existed was homeschool. Right. And it was only reserved for the elite mm-hmm. who were taught by tutors mm-hmm. in their homes. Right. So, because we've always been conditioned to believe that we need to be governed by an external entity, we've, our people have always attempted to try to build systems that were self-sufficient. That was the first thing that they did during slavery in Deep Like the Rivers. Slaves were facilitating education even within the slave quarters. Yeah, and they believed that they were the best ones to do it. They knew that these planters, they knew that these slave owners, slave Mm -hmm. drivers, Mm -hmm. operated out of a framework that was not best for their children to learn. They knew they operated out of a framework where they were determined to create a caste system caste system in which their children would exist for the rest of their lives relative to them. Mm -hmm. Lower position. They created a philosophy to support it. And so our people knew that in order for the the children to grow out of a good, healthy garden, you were going to have to get the weeds out. And the way to get the weeds out was to take charge of their education Mm -hmm. from the top to the bottom from the left to the right Mm -hmm. and that's what our black parents are going to have to do if they want their children to thrive Mm 